short, it's kind of a comedic video to show, and that's what it's meant, um, comedic video. It's actually a uh, famous comedian, Steve Martin, I'm sure y'all are familiar with him, he's been around for a long time. But this song makes, even though it's funny, it, it does make a serious and important point, and I'll draw out that point here just in a second. The song is called Atheists Don't Have No Song. Babies have all grown up. You know, I listen to that song night after night, and I think, gee, religious people have such beautiful music and art, and atheists really have nothing. Until now. This is the entire atheist hymnal right here. A little tune called Atheists Don't Have No Song. Christians have their hymns and pages, hymns and pages, hollering the healers for the Jews, for the Jews. Baptists have the rock of ages, rock of ages, atheists to sing the blues. Romantics play, romantics play, Claire de Lune, Claire de Lune, born again, singing its risen. But no one ever wrote a tune, wrote a tune, or got the same. No good news, you'll never sing a song of faith. In their song, they have a rule. The he is always lowercase. The he is always lowercase. Some folks sing, folks sing the Bacchantata, Bacchantata, Lutherans get Christmas trees. They your songs at a tunata, Bacchantata, but they do have Sundays free. Sing to heaven, Coptics have the book of scrolls. Numerologists can, they count to seven, five, six, seven, eight, the atheists have rock and roll. For atheists, there's no good news, they'll never sing a song of faith. In their song, they have a rule, the he is always lowercase. The he is always
something to sing about is our faith in God. And if Jesus didn't come, and if he didn't die, and especially if he didn't rise again, then we would have nothing to sing about either. Atheists don't have a hymnal like Christians do because they don't have the content of our faith who is the person of, of Jesus Christ. This morning I want to tell you about another supernatural birth connected to the coming of, of Jesus Christ. And we've actually already read about him in our Advent reading, John the Baptist. John the Baptist came as the one who came to prepare the way for the ministry of Jesus Christ. But rather than singing for joy at the announcement of his birth, his father, Zechariah, met this announcement from the angel with skepticism and with unbelief. And therefore, as a consequence of his unbelief, God shut his mouth. It didn't allow him to even speak until the baby was born, much less sing. He couldn't even speak due to his unbelief. Until the baby is born. You're going to find his account in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. So if you have a copy of Scripture, I want to invite you to turn there with me. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. In the days of King Herod of Judah, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord of people prepared. How can this, how can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. 
the angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. And when he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. And she said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. This is God's holy word. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord, give us an understanding according to your word. Not just a, a knowledge in our brains about the facts, but a knowledge in our hearts, a personal knowledge of you and what you would have us to hear this morning. I pray that you would anoint me by your Holy Spirit to help me to preach this morning. Lord, I can't do it without you. Help me to lift up the name of Jesus, and it's in his name that I pray. Amen. So, in the beginning of the passage, we're introduced to a couple. Their names are Elizabeth and Zachariah. They're an older couple. Uh, Zachariah is a priest. His wife, Elizabeth, had not been able to have a baby. And they were well along in years. They're very similar. They remind me of Abraham and Sarah. They're a godly couple, well along in years, longing to have a baby. But up until this point, and, and it seems like the years have passed them by, they aren't going to be able to have uh, a baby. Uh, Zachariah was serving as a, as a priest in the temple. At this time, there were a rotation of priests. And Zechariah was actually chosen not only to serve in the temple, but for a special task in the temple. Um, it was his job this year in particular, and you see the hand of God working this out, to go into the sanctuary itself, the holy place itself, behind the curtain. Imagine this big, massive curtain, and all the people are standing on the outside of the curtain and they're praying and, and they're longing and they're seeking God and this one priest goes behind the curtain to represent the people before, before God and that was Zachariah and he's to burn uh, incense uh, behind the curtain. He's, he's to light the candelabra uh, which was set up there in, in the Lord's presence. But then all of a sudden something sudden unexpected happens. Um, an angel appears to Zechariah, and, and he is terrified. This is a very common reaction to angels, when people see angels. Um, angels aren't like the little Hallmark cards that, that we think of. Angels are like terrifying beings. Um, they're, like, they're like warriors. And Zechariah sees one, and, and he later identifies himself as Gabriel, the, the archangel of God. He says, I stand in the presence of, of God. And Zechariah, I can just imagine, is just cowering in fear uh, before this angel, wondering what this angel 
had to say, and the angel speaks up to calm him. And this is what he says. Don't be afraid, Zachariah, because your prayer had been heard. So apparently, Zachariah and Elizabeth had been praying for kids all these, all these years. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So he told Zechariah that him and Elizabeth were, after one last, going to be able to have a child. And such an amazing thing that, that God was going to. To do for them. And it wasn't just any child. This was a child that had been promised by the Old, Old Testament prophets for centuries um, and centuries. In fact, the last of the Old Testament prophets, 400 years prior, before the events here that we've read about, announced that there was going to be one born around the time of the Messiah who would prepare the way for the Messiah, who would be in the spirit and power of Elijah, he would be a, a great prophet, and he would speak with prophetic power, calling the people to repentance, getting the people ready for the Messiah so that they would believe in the Messiah when he showed up. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, the angel told them, was going to have his, his baby. This is the baby. The one who was going to be the messenger of the Lord, who was going to prepare the way Great news. I mean, I mean incredible news. Um, this is on par with all the other supernatural miracles that God had done all throughout the Old Testament. This was a supernatural birth. This was not going to happen apart from God's miraculous intervention. Um, Elizabeth, being well along the years older, we're told, was not going to be able to have a child through natural means unless God steps in. Unless God did something. He promised to do something. But what was Zachariah's reaction to all this? You would think he would shout for joy. Um, you would think he would sing and, and celebrate. But that wasn't Zachariah's reaction um, at this. Um, Zachariah's reaction was unbelief. It, it, was, it was skepticism. It was how can this, how can this be? And all he could see was the limitations of their condition, them being well along in years, and he refused to believe um, in God about this. The angel even said that this child is meant to give you joy, Zechariah. This, this child will be celebrated, but Zechariah didn't have any joy. Um, he didn't, didn't celebrate. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. And because Zechariah refused, this was a refusal to believe God's word through the angel, the angel told him that he was going to be mute. He was going to be unable to speak until the baby's birth. So while everyone else was celebrating this miraculous 
pregnancy that God had given Elizabeth and, and Zechariah. A new child, a new, a new baby. Um, all he could do was make sign movements with his hands. All he could do was maybe write some things out. He couldn't participate in the celebration with his words. He couldn't sing the songs of God as the people of God rejoiced at this, at this baby's birth. So what does this tell us? The supernatural birth of John the Baptist, about God's desire for us in Christmas time as we anticipate the second coming of Christ, not only celebrate the advent of Christ, the first coming of Christ, but also anticipate and get ready for the second coming of Christ to earth. It, it means this. It means whenever we refuse to believe in God's promises to us, we only rob ourselves of joy. We only hurt ourselves. We only rob ourselves of joy when we refuse to believe in God and what He has given us. And Jesus, let me tell you, is all about joy. He wants our joy to be full, as His joy is full. The reason why He came to earth was so that we could have joy in God. The carol that we sing Christmas time is so appropriate about the mission of Jesus Christ. Joy to the world. Jesus told this parable about hidden treasure in a field. Let me read that to you. It's just a sentence long. Verse one. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found reburied. And in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. So this man found something that was priceless. We're not told exactly what, but it was treasure. It was, it was priceless. You couldn't get this anywhere else. So he, he finds this one day out in the middle of the field. And he finds it, I'm sure looks over his shoulder, making sure no one else sees what he's got. And then he remarries it. So no one else can get this. And then he goes and he sells everything he has so that he can have enough money to buy this field just so that he can have the treasure. And Jesus said, that's who I am. The kingdom of heaven. Meaning I am the king of heaven. And God has sent me to I am the treasure that you have always longed for and sought for. I am your peace. I am the only source of joy that's indestructible, that's always going to last. Everything else is going to fade away and be burned up one day. I am who you need. And he says, if anyone wants this treasure, meaning me, this is what you must do. You must be willing to put everything else in far distant second place. Come and follow me. Believe in me. Trust in me. And if you do that, I will save you. I will enter into your life through my Holy Spirit. And I will bring you joy 
that is abundant and lasting, and nobody can take you away from me. So what stands in between this joy, us and this joy that God so desires and longs to give us? It's the barrier of our unbelief. It's the barrier of our skepticism and unbelief. Our own unbelief robs us of the joy that God desires to give us. And I've heard unbelief defined as a refusal to believe. And this is different than doubt. Doubt, rather, is a struggle to believe. God can actually use our honest doubts. Doubt is not the enemy of faith. Unbelief is actually the enemy of faith. Doubt is saying, like the man said to Jesus, Lord, you know I believe. Help me to believe. Doubt is saying, God, I'm struggling with this. I know what your word says, but I'm really having a hard time here. Will you please help me? I admit my struggle with you. I admit my doubts to you. Will you please help me with this? Unbelief doesn't pray like that. Unbelief is, I hear what you say, God, and I've got better things to do. I refuse this, God. I don't want your gifts. I don't want your joy. I choose not to believe. I refuse to believe in you. This Christmas, I'd like to invite you into the joy and wonder of what your Savior has done for you. I'd like to invite you to lay down your refusal to believe. I'd like to even invite you to give God your doubts. He's big enough. Trust in Him. Bring in your doubts. Bring in your struggle this morning. And just see what He will do for you. God can use that. But He will refuse you if you refuse Him. He will not use unbelief. A refusal of him and his goodness. Refusal to believe. But it was for joy that Christ came to earth. Jesus is all about our joy. What's going to make us truly satisfied. And he even went to the cross in joy. Don't believe me? That he would go and suffer and die and feel joy about it. That's what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says. It says, For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So as Jesus faced the cross, he knew what he had been sent to do. He looked beyond the cross. He looked beyond the resurrection to the redemption 
of all of the people who would believe in him, who accepted him, who didn't refuse to believe, who longed for his coming. He looked forward in joy to the salvation that the cross would provide all of God's people. So maybe this Christmas time, you need to lay down your unbelief. You need to be like that man who found treasure in a field and be willing to turn your life over to Jesus Christ. No holds barred. Say, Jesus, I am yours. I sell it all for everything else is so much lesser than you to me. I want you. That's the heart of salvation. That's the heart that receives salvation. That's the believing heart. While the unbelieving heart wants to hold on to the things of this world. Are you ready to lay these things down? Are you willing to trust in Christ and make him your all in all? And this Christmas, if you do that, and if that is your need, then you can join all the saints of God singing really, truly joy to the Lord. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And you can experience this indestructible joy. But maybe you're already a follower of Christ and you're struggling to hold on to joy and hope this Christmas. That's okay. Sometimes Christmas time is a really hard time for a lot of Christians. He invites you to come and bring those struggles to Him. Do you know that joy and happiness they're connected, but they're different at the same time. Happiness is more of a feeling that comes and goes, oftentimes based on circumstances. Joy, however, is much deeper. It's more spiritually rooted rather than emotionally rooted. Joy is a deep confidence, the assurance of who God is for you, and that all of his promises are true. We're commanded to have joy. Read the book of Philippians. It's all about telling us to rejoice in the Lord. And the Apostle Paul wrote that as he was chained in a prison to a Roman soldier. And he was just constantly, even though his circumstances were bad, he was constantly talking about the joy that he had in the Lord. That's the reason why Jesus can look beyond the suffering and have joy at going to the cross. So this Christmas, maybe it is a hard time for you. Maybe you aren't very happy, but that's okay. Because you can still have joy. You can still hang on to Jesus, the source, the root of your joy, and sing to him with joy. Pray to him. Seek him.
in your struggles and, and in your doubts. Again, he is big enough to be able to do that. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you saw us in our need, our need for a Savior and Redeemer. Thank you that by coming to earth, by living, by dying, by rising again, you give us something truly to sing about. Lord, I pray for every person here today that we would truly believe, that we wouldn't have unbelief in our hearts. We would truly believe, and that's only possible for your drawing and work in the Holy Spirit. I pray for that work, and I pray for those who do believe this morning, but still struggle, struggle with doubt, struggle with sin, pride, struggle with many different things. Lord, give us your grace in that struggle. Help us to find joy again in Christ. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. We stand, and this morning I invite you to respond. Maybe this morning you need to come and receive Christ. Commit your life to him and make that public with this, with this church family. Maybe you need to talk a little bit more about that. Well, I'm happy to talk to you now after the service in the bulletin. Uh, my contact information is there. I'm easy to get a hold of, and I would love to sit down and talk to you. And, and, and maybe you need to come and bring a struggle to God in prayer today. Or maybe you want me to pray for you. Maybe there's something else that, that God wants from you today. God's always open. I'm glad to come and respond to however God is speaking to you in your heart today.